and welcome. This is the Space Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Whitney Levesque. This week, I got to sit down and interview Sarah Schuster from Tending Seeds, which is a podcast that she does over on iTunes all about plants and homesteading. Sarah is a homesteader and herbalist and medicinal herb farmer. She's from Tennessee and she has an herb farm and business called Fox and Elder. I thought interviewing her for the podcast would be really great because I personally really love plants and herbs and they have so many wonderful qualities and magical properties and there's so much you can do with plants. I had so much fun sitting down and chatting with Sarah and we talk about everything from zodiac signs to um, different plant oils you can make and herbal infusions and even little more lighthearted things like favorite self-care methods and what our favorite foods and reality TV shows are. So without further ado, let's get into this week's podcast because it's a really good one. You are now listening to the Space Witch Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Whitney Levesque, and today I am joined by Sarah Schuster from the Tending Seeds Podcast. Sarah, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me, Whitney. So I guess we'll just start this by just having you kind of introduce yourself, tell everyone about what you do, tell them about your podcast if you want. Yeah, totally. So thanks for having me again. I'm really excited to be here. My name is Sarah Schuster. I live in Middle Tennessee. And actually, today is the one-year anniversary of us moving out to our farmstead or in our homestead. We have 13 acres of land that we moved to a year ago today. And I am farming. Um, I'm a medicinal herb farmer and also an herbalist. I'm finishing up my uh, herbal course right now. My hopes are to become a clinical herbalist, which is still a bit of a ways down the road. And I'm also a podcaster, as Whitney mentioned. So I have a podcast called Tending Seeds. I just started it about four months ago. And it's basically just chronicling my journey in all the things I mentioned above and just giving people a chance to kind of jump in right at the beginning and have a few laughs at my expense as I fumble and stumble. And hopefully other people can learn some things from my own exploits, both good and bad. That's awesome. So it's been one year since you started this? Yeah, literally a, a year ago today, we we moved out here and you know packed up our three dogs and two cats and all of our books and stuff and and came out here. So it's been quite an adventure. Wow, that is awesome. So, like, I don't, I did, I listened to your podcast and I really really enjoyed it. But so when you started out, like, what was your living setup like? Like, did you just have, um, like, did you have like a tent or an RV or did you have something already kind of built? Yeah, there was already a a home here. It's a small, like modular home. And so we've been adding on to that and extending where we need to. So it was definitely a smaller space than we had been living in previously. Uh, We'd lived in Nashville, which is like the biggest, closest city to us. And we're about 30 minutes north of that now. And so before we were in just, you know, kind of a typical suburban home, way more room than two people could possibly need, even with dogs and cats everywhere. 
And so now we're in a much smaller house, but it really fits us a lot better. We still, you know, have a guest room for when people travel and family come to visit and things like that. But we've also been able to add on really intentional space for what our actual needs are instead of just having all these, you know, random rooms in a big house that we don't use. So one of the things I really wanted was to have a sunroom as well as a wood stove. And so we're combining those. We're still working on that. There are so many projects not yet done. And we also have a pretty nice deck outside because I'd rather be outdoors and any chance I can get. And then we've added some small outbuildings. Um, there was already an old metal, I'll call it a garage, but it's not like a proper sealed building or anything like that. Um, that was already on the property. And that's been great for housing, you know, gardening and farming equipment and the riding lawnmower. And then we've added two outbuildings, one of which is for me for like an herb office so that I can meet with clients eventually um, once I'm done with my program. And then the other one is just for my partner for a wood shop. Wow. So you've made like a lot of progress in just a year. Yes. Yes and no. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure there's still like a lot to do, but like that's like, I don't Mm -hmm. know, because like I mentioned, like I have um, land here in Maine and we have like a half built shed and like, so to me, I'm like, wow, that's like, that's amazing. Right. Well, so I know you probably understand the struggle of, you know, trying to work on building all of the stuff while still having, you know, whatever jobs and stuff you're dealing with. I know you said that your partner has been building on the land as well and working on things out there. So yeah, it's definitely a struggle. And I was kind of reflecting on, you know, this being the anniversary of moving out here and kind of like, what do I want to say about, about this? If I make a post about it today or something, it's like, I've not gotten nearly as much done as I wanted to. But I also have total confidence that things are moving along at the pace that they should. And that's as optimistic as I can get about it, I guess. So, um, No, but it's it's good to have that like gratitude and just to be like, you know, like this is how far I've come and, totally, you know, this is where I'm at and just to be like happy about that. So that's like still really awesome. How do yeah. you, because I, I feel like at least, you know, with me even just doing like this podcast, you know, and having, you know, to like have like a regular job or like a side job or whatever, you know, I think it's so hard to like balance that time between like working on like something you're passionate about and then also like, you know, you have to make money and like go to your job or whatever. So how do you like balance that time? Do you just use all your free time? Do you have like a plan? Like <laughs> that's, it's so much to balance. And, but I'm also someone that I do not do well without structure to my life. Like if I just had no responsibilities, I would probably just lay around and get nothing done all day, even though I'm super motivated. And it's like, I work better under pressure. So one of the things that we, that we had done like a few years ago was like, we figured it out to where we were like, okay, we can actually live on just one of our income. You know, you know, we don't spend a lot of money on, you know, frivolous stuff. And so we were pretty well budgeted with that. And so I was working in restaurant management at the time. Um, I talked about this a little bit on my podcast about um, I had wanted to start like a restaurant and then I ended up changing directions, but I had been saving money for a restaurant. And so that became sort of the down payment for the land here. And we've kept our bills and stuff in such a way that, you know, my partner's income is what we're able to live off of and cover our expenses with. And then I work a side gig off the farm um, three or four days a week. And I'm actually working as a soap maker for a place in town. And yeah, and that job has been amazing. Um, I really, I waited to find that. Like I really, I actually did some spell work on that to find that job. Just kind of writing out like, not specifically that I wanted to make soap. I didn't have, I didn't have that in mind, but having it in mind of like, 
okay, this is what I need to make from a side gig. This is about how many hours a week. And also these are the hours I want. And so it's a great job because I can go in anytime between like nine and 10 and it's like a six hour shift. And that gives me enough time in the morning where I can get up and do a little bit of farm work, get things watered and actually be able to like go outside, touch all my plants, do a little something out there before I go off to this job a couple days a week. Yeah, it was really fortunate. Um, financial freedom is a really big goal for us. I'm not one of those people that, you know, sits around talking about, oh, I want to make six figures, but I want to get my mortgage paid off so that I can work less is a big goal. And so what we're doing now is, you know, the money I make from this side gig, you know, it goes towards extra payments on the mortgage or towards startup costs, you know, for my herb business and the farm and, and all that sort of stuff. And so it's been really, it's been really great. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I know like for us too, like that, or at least my fiance who originally, I mean, I, I guess I want it too, but I, I needed like, you know, stability. And so I know his whole thing too, with him wanting to homestead was also that sense of like freedom and not having to have so many bills to pay and you mm-hmm. know all that stuff. Um, did you find it was challenging trying to downsize from your old life to what you're doing now or was it easy or? I actually feel like it was pretty simple. Um, neither of us were really big stuff hoarders. Like we'd much rather spend money to go on like a trip or go have an experience or learn something. Um, so it, it wasn't really so much that we had tons of stuff. I think it's just a natural inclination to, if you have space, like if, you know, if one person was to go buy a four bedroom house for themselves, like, I don't know why they would, but they'd probably (laughs) manage to fill it up with junk they didn't need and just kind of sprawl out all over it. And so for us, it didn't, it didn't take a lot of work to just go, do we really need this? You know, why has this piled up here? And just giving stuff away to folks. You know, I like to, um, anytime people come over, I'm always like, there's a, a swap blanket on the bed in the guest room is something I've been doing where instead of just dropping stuff at the thrift store, um, just saying, hey, go take whatever looks useful to you if you'll actually use it. Like, I'm not trying to junk up your house either. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, yeah. So that's been useful. And then, you know, cutting back bills, I think, was was pretty easy. Um, you know, we, we don't have kids. It's just the two of us plus, you know, some really old dogs and cats. So Nice. Yeah. So you mentioned that you did some spell work to find your awesome soap making job. Right. Now, was that, tell me a little bit about like your spiritual practice, if you feel comfortable, um, of course, like, you know, do you oh, use boy. a lot of plants and herbs? Do you make up your own spells? Do you like look for other spells to use? What's that process like for you? Yeah, um, I kind of do spell work in the same way that I cook. I don't always use a recipe, but if I'm trying to make something I've never made before, I'll go hit the internet and and or my other cookbooks and kind of go find like five or six things related to that and then kind of pull from all of them and make my own recipe, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I totally get that. I'm like the same way. It's like, yeah, I don't do a lot of spell work, but occasionally it's like I'll get this like, like nagging feeling that I need mm-hmm. to do one for something. And I like personally, like I love doing spell jars. <laughs> Those yeah, are, like, my go to like, I'll just throw a bunch of stuff that correlates like in the jar and like shake it up or bury it or whatever. And mm-hmm. it's just like yeah, a totally no. like intuitive process. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I like spell jars too. Um, especially a lot of my spiritual practice is 
is nature-based and plant-based. So moving out to the land here and doing, um, you know, doing spell jars and kind of marking along, you know, the boundaries and corners of our land when we first got here was super important to me. Um, yeah. That's a really good idea, actually. I never even thought about that. Yeah, I feel like that's something anyone can do, even if you don't own, you know, we have 13 acres, but you don't need to have that much. Even if you're in an apartment, I think there's stuff you can do, you know, at, at the edges and boundaries of your space, even if it's not, you know, you know, like I said, even in an apartment, you can put stuff in the corners, even if you're not able to, you know, go bury stuff outside. Um, yeah, I think that's stuff that is really simple, but really powerful. Yeah, totally. Do you have any favorite herbs that you like to use and like, how do you like to use them? Oh man. So I think mugwort is one of my favorite herbs for dream work. So I have a mugwort infused oil, um, infused into apricot oil. And I, I love using that. It's so, I mean, it smells amazing and it's so beautiful just to use, you know, just a tiny bit. Um, I'll put onto onto um like my forehead before I go to sleep or you know a lavender infused oil I don't really use essential oils but I like to take you know whole plants and infuse those into oil instead oh and so yeah and so that's really fun I'm really big on herbal oils that's probably one of my biggest ways that I use plants um for both as like a spiritual practice as well as a self-care practice yeah um, you yeah you really can't beat like at the end of the day just like sitting down and spending like 15 minutes or more just kind of like doing self massage with like an herbal oil it just feels so amazing and you'll smell good right that's awesome how are those different from like essential oils like like you could like buy or like I mean obviously like you mentioned like you make them yourself right mm-hmm. yeah so like what's kind of the difference there yeah so so for me um essential oils take so much plant matter to to make that tiny bit of oil because they're doing this distillation process and and just squeezing out this essence from the plant and so you're taking I don't know the the statistics on it the numbers are just mind-boggling when I read them about you know how many pounds of lavender it takes to make one tiny bottle of you know essential oil whereas if you've ever smelled lavender you know it's plenty fragrant all on its own just as a just as a flower right and so you can yeah, just, I love lavender. yeah, right. Like who doesn't, it's so good. And, um, and so you can just take lavender, you can take the whole plant and infuse that directly into oil. And so I can go out to my garden and just pull, mm-hmm. you know, take a quart sized Mason jar, get some, some lavender and then put that into, you know, into the jar, cover it with oil and, and work with it that way. And it takes so much less plant material and it, I think it works just as well or even better in some cases and it's going to last you so long and you only needed one or two plants to do it. That's awesome. I didn't even, wow, I'm like learning so much just like talking to you right now because like (laughs) I didn't even know that any of that stuff actually. I didn't know you could like just kind of make your own and like it sounds like super easy like. Oh my gosh, yes. It's super simple. Um Cami McBride is a great herbal teacher who has a lot of online information as well as books about doing, you know, herbal infused oils and, and things like that. I can't recommend it enough, but yeah, it's super simple. And the nice thing about that is I always tell people it's a really good sort of gateway drug into herbalism because <laughs> once you make those oils, then it, you have these oils and you can then start adding other things to them to make salves and lotions and, and other stuff. And so it just sort of like draws you in and you get super addicted to it. <laughs> Yeah. 
That's so cool. And there's something I feel like it's like when you make your own stuff like that, too, it's almost got that extra like, I don't know if it's just because it's like you kind of made it yourself. So you kind of put more of that like loving energy into it. Whereas like if you buy something at the store, it doesn't have like the same kind of energy attached to it. Like, I don't know. Like, I know for sure for me, like I bought this book a while ago and making your own like it was like all these natural like beauty remedies. And so I was making my own shampoo Mm -hmm. and like soaps and lotions and I just I felt so much better just like using that stuff because like I made it myself and like it had all these like natural ingredients and I don't know. Oh, yeah, it's super reward- that's, rewarding. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. And there's a saying in herbalism that, you know, the plant you need or the medicine you need is what's growing outside your door. And so when you talk about, you know, bioregional herbalism and the, the medicine that you can get from those plants, you know, you don't have to go looking for some random exotic ingredient that's been shipped to you from you know 14 countries away you know what you have right outside your door you can use like you said you can use your energy to transform that into whatever you need at that time in your life right exactly and that's kind of what got me into doing the the herb farming as well is that doing my um during my clinical herbalism program that I've been working on they've really talked about how there's such a need for more domestic herb growers, because even, even the herb companies out there that do a great job in terms of sourcing things ethically, they're still shipping that from, from overseas. In most cases, there just aren't enough growers in the U S that are growing enough to keep up with the rise in herbalism, which is a great problem to have, obviously, but you know, why can't we find these things, you know, here or close to us? You know, it's so, most of these plants are so easy to grow and they, they grow well in the climates that we have. And instead we're shipping them, you know, and which has its own environmental impact to consider. But also I feel like the medicine's better when it comes from your region that you are living in. Right. Cause you're, you're in that environment. So it totally makes sense. It's really funny too. Even like I've noticed, like just moving from Massachusetts up to Maine. And like, I think this maybe has something to do with like, I know like Massachusetts is like very populated and there's a lot of like cities and buildings. And I don't know. I felt like when I lived there, I mean, I had a lot of other things going on too, but I was like, I was so anxious all the time and there was just a lot of energy around me. And like up here, like in Maine, like I love it because there's way less people. And like, I just, I see so much more nature up here. Like I see so many different animals in my backyard and Stuff that, like, Mm -hmm. I almost never saw in Massachusetts. And I think a lot of it's because, like, there's a lot of, you know, like, we just have too many, like, buildings and, I don't know, not enough wildlife. (laughs) Oh, for sure. I mean, I think it shapes us in so many different ways. The, I don't know, really know what to call it, I guess, psychic load or that pressure of having that many people around you. And everyone's energy. Yeah, energy and emotion. It's, I mean, it's contagious. And you can see that, you know, anywhere. If if someone in the room is 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 nervous and, yeah, fidgety, that spreads like wildfire. And so think about that. Like at any given moment, if you're in a city, someone near you is feeling just about every emotion there possibly could be, right? And so it's like you're just having that bombardment all the time. Um, Yeah. Especially if you're like an empath or something and like you just take on everyone's like emotions. It's so overwhelming. Right. Yeah. I mean, how could you not be overwhelmed by it? I mean, our acupuncturist, who's also a friend of ours, was so excited when we told him that we were going to be moving out of the city and moving here. And he he was like, oh, man, like your life expectancy is probably going to go up by like anywhere from 10 to 20 years just from getting out of the city because of the reduction in stress and what that's going to do for you. Um, you know, not having to drive in like 
gridlock traffic every day. Oh, yeah. Like it just it impacts you in so many ways that we don't even think about until we're outside of it. Yeah, I don't think people even realize like and I think I don't know, maybe this is like a societal thing, maybe I'm stretching things a little here, but I feel like, you know, people just don't even realize how much stress like just affects your physical like not just your mental health but your physical health as well like I know for me like my physical body is so sensitive to stress like when I was in college years ago I I was taking like four classes and working two jobs and every semester I would get a huge cold sore and I would get really sick and then by the time I'd get over all that the next semester would start up I'd get really sick again it's it's crazy honestly yeah, I think you and I are almost the same person. Um, I had the same story in college where I would load myself up with as many classes as I could take and I'd be you know, working a full-time job and then student teaching because I was in school to be a middle school teacher. And then every semester I would, you know, I would force myself through it. And then at the end of every semester I would collapse and get so sick, like needing to go to the ER oh, sometimes wow. even. Uh, and yeah, but I think everyone... I think we're all doing that to ourselves, even on a smaller basis, pretty much every day. And we don't think about it. We're in a constant like fight or flight, you know, cortisol stimulating experience. And it's it's not good long term. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think and I started to say this and I got way sidetracked, I guess, because um, <laughs> I just I jump around a lot. <laughs> but um, yeah, I feel like societally, too, we're kind of trained to just like, you know, kind of push all that stuff to the side and pretend like we're not stressed and like everything's fine and not acknowledge like those feelings and just kind of bury it. Oh, for sure. I mean, we, we just totally glorify this idea of, you know, we always need to be the hardest working person in the room as if that's some badge of honor and as if working hard automatically equates to success, which it, it doesn't always in a lot of cases it doesn't. Um, and, and yeah, we're just constantly, you know, if you ask someone, how are you? The answer, you know, how often is the answer busy, but there's, there's like this pride underneath it. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm way too busy for any of this. And you're like, girl, slow down. Yeah. <laughs> or just people that are just like, I'm fine. I'm okay. Like just trying to mm-hmm. not even acknowledge it. Right. We don't think about our emotions. We don't assess our mental states because if we did, we'd probably have to, you know, have a real good talk with ourselves about what the world is doing. <laughs> Yeah. And um, I don't think I got to ask you this yet. Um, This kind of actually ties in with one of my questions, which was, what is your zodiac sign? So if you know your sun sign, you can just go with that. Or if you know your moon and rising sign, I'd love to know that as well. Cool. Yeah. Uh, My sun sign is I'm a Libra and my rising sign is Sagittarius and my moon sign is Leo. Ooh! Oh my gosh, I love that. <laughs> it's funny. I get along. It's funny. I like. I get along so well with Libras, and I think it's something to do with like. Like my fiance is a Libra. He has the same birthday mm-hmm. as one of my best friends. <laughs> and um, I don't know if it's my. I have my rising signs in Aquarius, and then hmm. my eighth house is in Libra, which is like, I don't know. I, I think of the eighth house as like Scorpio energy, so it's very magnetic, and so I just think like I attract a lot of Libras into my life because of that. That's um, really funny. But yeah, yeah, no, it's just I I guess what made me think of this, too, was like, I mean, I had the question already written down, but, um, <laughs> you know, we were talking about like, you know, people push things aside. And I know me like I'm a Virgo sun with Capricorn moon. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I have a lot of earth in my chart. So I mm-hmm. kind of put logic on all of my feelings and I put things in boxes and I'm like, well, it doesn't actually affect me, even though it actually does. But I'm like, that's their problem. And I try to like pretend like it's not you know, it doesn't affect me until eventually I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I was bothered by that really awful thing that happened. Like, (laughs) yeah, some of my best friends are Virgos and they're definitely just like they're self-described. This is not me putting this on. Yeah, they describe themselves as like anxious, sort of like overachieving multitaskers seems to be like the running thread between that. Oh, yeah. Yep. (laughs) Um. Actually, I don't know that much about astrology, and I actually only found out my rising and moon sign about a year and a half ago. And but the really funny thing was that um, we looked it up for both my mom and my brother as well, and all three of us are Sagittarius risings. Ooh, sorry, I like love that placement. (laughs) (laughs) Like I do too. (laughs) I think well, so I heard it. I get along well with people who have that because my Mercury falls in my seventh house, which. So in astrology, your seventh house is on the opposite end of your rising sign. Mm-hmm. Your rising sign is also your first house if you're looking at your natal chart. Okay. And so Mercury rules Gemini, which is the opposite sign of Sagittarius. And so because I have that in my seventh house, I think I read something once about how it makes you like natural friends or something like that. And so I know a lot of people who are Sagittarius risings and I I just love them. I, I think a lot of people do. <laughs> Because it's Sagittarius on your rising sign and they say that, so Sagittarius is a very happy-go-lucky sign. It's very optimistic. It's just happy, like good energy. And they say that like a lot of people who have their rising sign in Sagittarius tend to like become famous because people are just naturally drawn to them Hmm. and because they get lucky. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't know. I just, I love that placement. Like the people with that rising sign, like they just, they make me laugh so much and like I just I don't know we just vibe and like I love it that's awesome so yeah like I said I don't know a ton about astrology so I do have a question for you about astrology yeah so I'm a Libra sun which I've known all my life from just like reading horoscopes in the newspaper and and things like that um but I really feel like I used to super identify with that when I was younger and like my early teen years and then this shift sort of started happening where um I've just felt like I was like, I don't really identify with this anymore. This whole like finding the middle way and being the peacemaker and not like in conflict and all that sort of stuff that you see. And then when I found out my rising sign about a year and a half ago, I was like, oh my God, I was like, everything about this is exactly who I am right now. Every time I read, you know, horoscopes for Sagittarius now, I'm like, is that something that happens to people as they, as they get older? Do they tend to shift through the, through the signs? Like, what is that oh yeah um I actually I think I can't remember if it was like maybe my first or second podcast episode that I did I briefly kind of talked about this okay because so when I first got into astrology I had a similar thing sort of happen like what you just explained Mm -hmm. I so I I actually found out more about astrology through tumblr which I hate to say the word tumblr because it's just (laughs) I don't know but (laughs) um that's when I started getting really into it. I was like 15 or 16 at the time and I well, the whole thing that got me into astrology was I had a crush on someone and I started reading about like my sign and their sign and Virgos. And so, you know, I think it's easy for people to identify with their sign and be like, oh, that's me. And it's like an ego boost. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I read all this stuff about Virgos, but I wouldn't acknowledge the fact that it didn't always resonate with me. Gotcha. 
And so it wasn't until I found out that like you have a moon and a rising sign and all this other stuff that I I ended up watching. I think it was Alyssa Sharp. I watched her YouTube video about Aquarius rising because I didn't know what it meant. And I was like, oh, my God, that is so me. <laughs> like <laughs> I had the same exact thing, except in my case, I felt like it was opposite. So I definitely think like we tend to grow in and out of certain placements in our chart mm-hmm. um, as time goes on. Because I feel more like my Virgo son now as an adult than I did when I was younger. Oh, interesting. Um, so, yeah, like when I was younger, I feel like I had more of that like happy-go-lucky like Aquarius rise. Oh, I mean, I still have that Aquarius rising like tendencies. Um, I used to be a lot more spiteful, which is totally an Aquarius thing. <laughs> um, but now I totally resonate a lot more with like being a Virgo and being like kind of stressed and anxious and really mm-hmm. fussy and... It's stuff you have to like work on. And I think maybe that's why these placements tend to show up more in different parts of our lives because it's kind of showing us like, hey, you need to work on this right now. Mm-hmm. And it's like a lesson. Um, that makes another sense. thing too. Sorry, I'm like rambling so much. Oh, no, go for it. Um, but another thing too I want to point out is you also have like a progress chart, which is it kind of shows like it's it's your chart but it's showing like the planets as they progress and like move Mm -hmm. so you could have like your progressed sun in like another sign or your progressed moon um i should probably do a podcast episode on that at some point actually yeah that sounds really cool but yeah so yeah you can totally grow in and out of different placements (laughs) for sure awesome okay all right so we're gonna switch gears a little bit here Ooh, okay. So um, is there anything that you wished you had known before you started homesteading? Oh, man. Um, (laughs) So many things. Um, And I'm still discovering them every day. I think the biggest thing is just really just understanding what you're attempting in terms of time. Um, I always have this tendency to bite off more than I can chew. And I, and everyone, this is like a psychological phenomenon, basically that everyone tends to underestimate how long something's going to take. And so um, there's a productivity podcast I listen to where, where she talks about like, Hey, if you're going to estimate this, go ahead and add like an extra 50% because odds are you're going to need it. And so I've tried to get better about that. Um, But it's so overwhelming and it's really easy to get excited when you first start homesteading about just, you know, all the projects you want to do and, and try and get gardens in. And you're just going in like a million different directions. And I, I knew that going in because I'd been listening to other homesteaders and, and hearing their sort of like cautionary tales about like not biting off more than you can chew and just picking a few projects to start with and getting those done so that you'd actually have something, you know, finished instead of 17 half done things. And so I knew that going in and I still, I feel like I was very good for me in terms of like ramping that back, but I still like definitely bit off more than I could chew. And that's why, you know, a year later, we're still, still finishing some of those initial projects, like still uh, working on some stuff in the house. We still have a bathroom that never got painted and we're still working on the sunroom and, you know, getting the gardens put in and working on that. So. Nice. Um, what would you say your best piece of advice is for someone who may just want, who may just be getting started in homesteading? I think the best piece of advice would be to sit down and make a plan, um, and really think about what you want to get out of your homestead in terms of, are you looking for 
self-sufficiency for yourself in terms of like wanting to be able to grow all your own food or, you know, a percentage, it's unlikely that you'll grow, you know, all of it. Um, but figuring out like, what's our goal? Like, is my goal to be able to say 50% of my food came from my gardens and my foraging or 70% or whatever that number is, or are you looking for a situation where you're completely off grid and not having to rely on, you know, power, water and sewer from anyone else? Or are you aiming to make this a business off of your homestead? Because you don't have to have a business for homesteading. It can just be something you're doing, you know, for yourself and your family. And so I think figuring out like, what is your goal? Um, because kind of piggybacking on what I was just talking about with overcommitting to things, I think it's really easy to get distracted from like, what is your main focus and to kind of run off in too many different directions. And so I think really figuring out, you know, what is our main purpose in doing this and revisiting that often, either monthly or, or quarterly and just assessing, you know, what progress have I made? Where do I need to, you know, pick up the slack here? Or has my goal changed? I think, which is also valid. Yeah. And I think people tend to like forget too, that like when you have a goal, like that goal totally has like potential to like change like daily. And I didn't even really think about that until my, my really good friend, Kyle, he actually, he suggested for me in my podcast, he was like, Oh, you should try this hundred day goal book journal that I got. And he showed it to me. And so I like, I like had to get it after he showed me. Cause it, it just breaks down all your goals and it's like, you know, it'll be like, okay, here's your 10 day goal. And then what's three things you can do today and three things you're grateful for today. And then you get through the mm -hmm. 10 days and then you reevaluate and reassess. And then you decide like, okay, what's my next goal? And I don't know. I just thought that was really cool. Cause I just, it really gets you to kind of like look at these big long-term projects like totally differently. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. I mean, breaking things down into those smaller steps is really how you're going to make progress. Um, it can feel so overwhelming to have some big lofty goal in mind. And then, you know, if I, you know, getting the gardens put in and planted obviously is, is a ton of work. Even if I'm just thinking about, you know, the vegetables for our house for us to eat, not even stuff we're going to sell, you know, off of the farm. That's so much work. If I don't break that down into smaller steps, you know, that's, that's more than even just a full day's work. And so I'll never start it if I'm constantly looking at my schedule for like, well, when do I have enough time to do all of this at once? it's never going to happen. And so we're gonna have to buy food from the grocery store the entire year if, if I did that. And so I think, yeah, really, like you said, breaking it down into, you know, what are my goals for the week or for the day? I have a friend who's been a really amazing accountability partner to me. We started um, around the new year, where on Sundays, we have check-ins with one another. And so, you know, we'll send each other an update on the last week and how we did. And then we talk about, you know, what are our three main goals for the coming week? And it's a super easy check-in and it's been so helpful for me just because not that my friend is the reason I'm getting these things done, but because it forces me to look at my monstrous to-do list and pick out like what, what are the most important things here? Because not all of these are obviously going to get done in, in one week, but if I can at least get these three done and next week I'll do three more, that's progress. Yeah, that's totally awesome. I love that. Like you have like someone that you can like actually check in with. I feel like a lot of people like, They'll be like, yeah, I want to do this thing. And you'll be like, oh, let's do it together. And people aren't always like actually <laughs> willing to like do stuff like that. But that's great. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and it's easy to to drop the ball on. And I'm really, you know, grateful to them because they've been really good about, you know, messaging me and 
and vice versa. Cause I feel like, you know, some weeks I forget some weeks they forget, but we always manage to sort of like reconnect and, you know, it doesn't get to be too late in the day before we realize, Oh, Hey, we have not talked about our goals. Let's do this real quick. Yeah. That is so awesome. All right. So, Oh, I have like one more quick question for you. And then I'm going to get into some of my like fun, I wanted to say rapid fire questions, but they don't really have to be like super quick. They're just like (laughs) fun little questions that I thought of towards the end of this. Um, So my last question is what would you recommend for anyone who, like if someone doesn't know anything about gardening or planting, you know, whether it's like, you know, growing crops or like herbs or anything like that and they just don't even know the first thing about it what is your best advice for someone who may like want to start a garden um or something like that but they just they don't even know where to begin okay biggest piece of advice is figure out what you actually use because there is nothing sadder in the world than spending all that time to grow something from like a seed or a seedling up to harvest and then you get you know, you get the the fruit or whatever it is that, that you've grown and you're like, oh, I have no idea what to do with this or I don't even really like this, you know? Um, so start, you know, I'm a big list making planner person. Make a list of like, what do you actually use? If you're going to grow, you know, vegetables for your garden, what do you actually use on a regular basis? And, you know, what's worth, you know, growing for you? Um, you know, I also look at like what's expensive in the stores, you know, that I might want to do, you know, onions, not always super expensive, you know, that's a pretty cheap thing, you know, to purchase. Tomatoes can definitely get expensive, um, eggplant, things like that. So if that's something you eat a lot of, go ahead and do that. Um, that would be the first thing is just, you know, start small. Um, don't try to, you know, plant 40 different types of crops your first year, Um, even if you're just doing one of each as like a container garden or something, it's going to be too much to keep up with because they all need, you know, different things in terms of care and harvesting and and things like that. So start small, I'd say like five to 10 things if this is your first time. Um, Also go buy seedlings. If it's your first year doing a garden, don't worry about starting from seed, just go buy them. You probably have a local co-op in your town where it won't be super expensive to get those seedlings you know, in like a little four, like six pack and just start with that. Nice. I love that advice. I, I kind of want to like, almost like look at your chart at some point. Cause okay. just like listening to you talk, I'm like, you have all this like air and fire, like in your rising moon and sun mm-hmm. sign, but I'm like, you must have like some house or something that's like an earth house or like, cause you totally give off those like earthy, like vibes. So that's really funny. <laughs> I think part of it is honestly coping mechanism. Um, I am, I super am ADD. I was undiagnosed with it all through school because I didn't have the the H, the hyperactive, like most girls don't tend to be diagnosed with it because they're not acting out behaviorally, but definitely like I'm a very ADD person and I had to find coping mechanisms for myself. And so definitely figuring out like, oh, I need to have a planner. I need to write things down. I need to set a schedule for myself has been my saving grace or I have no idea how hard I'd be floundering all the time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm like the same way. I'm like, I don't always think that I need structure, but in like, then I'm like, oh, well, if I actually just write everything down, it's way less overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. For sure. No, for sure. For sure. Um, and that structure too, like even, uh, even with just like spirituality and things like that, like, um, you know, falling out here on the land, like following the wheel of the year and following along with you know the moon signs and, and the phases of the moon and 
that's been so helpful just because it gives me that sort of built-in rhythm of like, this is what I'm doing. And like, oh, the full moon's coming up. This is what I do now. And then the new moon. And, <laughs> and you know, it's just, it's super helpful. It just keeps me sort of focused and helps me. Um, kind of like what you were talking about with the goals of breaking things up into smaller yeah. chunks. It, keep, it keeps me focused on like the day-to-day rather than always like getting caught up in a very airy way with like the bigger long-term picture, but right. understanding like, the wheel keeps turning and I need to do the work today and tomorrow and not obsess about a decade from now. Right. Yeah. And it, it is funny actually with the, like the, the moon phases and stuff. I actually have a, a lunar moon phase calendar in my kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's funny. Cause it's like, it totally helps you to kind of bring your goals to fruition basically. Cause you're like, Oh, well the moon is, you know, waning now. So I should be focusing on like getting rid of stuff and like, you know, getting rid of things that don't serve me and you know I totally get that yeah definitely all right so I guess we're going to (laughs) transition into these fun sort of less intense less serious kind of questions so (laughs) I think my first question is what are you either the most curious about right now or what are you the most excited about I'm definitely really excited for just this vegetable season, like tomato season is coming. I'm really, really stoked about that. And also uh, my business is called Fox and Elder. So Elder is one of my favorite plants. And so elderflower season has just started here. And so every day when I'm like driving around, I'm sort of like marking out like elder thickets where I'm like, I'm about to go harvest some of those. And so summer is a super awesome time of year. Like the mimosa trees are blooming also, which is a really, really beautiful and funky flower. It looks like something out of Dr. Seuss. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm super stoked about like all the outdoor things that are about to be happening. Yes. No, I I love that like spring through like summer and fall is like my favorite time of the year because it's just everything's like, well, I guess not as much in fall, although you harvest stuff in fall, oh, but yeah. I don't know. At least like with the flowers and stuff, like I love seeing everything grow and bloom and oh, it's like the best. Oh, definitely. And like, and yeah, fall is still a super busy time for us there. Um, I was really excited. Um, this past fall, we found that there's actually like a full grown persimmon tree on our property, which is something you harvest in fall. And we got, wow. yeah, there, it hasn't been tended or, you know, capped up by the people who had the land before us, but and so the harvest from it was was super tiny, but I did some pruning. And so I'm hoping that we'll get a better harvest this year. So I'm really excited about that too. Ooh, that's going to be so great. Yeah. I'm so excited for you. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, all right. So my next question is, so I'm a huge foodie. I mostly eat vegan food. And I think, did you say you were also vegan or? Yeah. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah, I am. Yeah. So my next question is, what's your favorite food? What do you like to eat, make, whatever? Oh, I like so much food. I I worked in restaurants for several years, and then I worked as a personal chef after that. And I just, I love, you know, getting to do anything with with produce that I've grown or foraged is super amazing. Um, but man, at the end of the day, like for some good comfort foods, like I am all about pizza and burritos. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. <laughs> Those are so good. Yeah, I will throw down in the kitchen. I will get fancy. I've got some fancy cookbooks and stuff. But, you know, and one of my guilty pleasures is um, a reality TV show called MasterChef Australia. <laughs> and so I... I, oh, I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, man. Well, so they have different versions <laughs> for like the different countries. But I find 
American yeah. reality shows are all about like drama and just being crappy humans to each other. But yeah. <laughs> but the Australian version is the opposite of that. And they're so focused on the food and like cheering each other on and it's super like upbeat and positive. And so I love that. And they're obsessed with it in Australia. Like it's one of their most important TV shows and it comes on like four or five nights a week, like with new episodes. It's crazy. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So luckily my partner is like a little computer torrenting genius. <laughs> and so we get to to stay up to date on that and it's super fun. But yeah, that's one of my favorite like guilty pleasures at the end of the day. Nice. I love that. I know. I like honestly reality tv is such like for me it's like such a guilty pleasure mainly and like i know i'm gonna get so shunned for this but i love 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 watching the kardashians i know it's like (laughs) the worst like trashiest tv you can probably ever watch but that's totally like one of my guilty pleasures for sure (laughs) hey you do you i mean i i'm all about the food so (laughs) that's pretty much what i watch but hey whatever works for you right Right. Um, speaking of what works for you, um, what are some of your favorite self-care methods? Ooh, yeah. I love talking about self-care. So the herbal body oiling is definitely one of them. Um, and that's for like whole body. So definitely uh, I'm 6'2 and like everyone in my family is super tall and a lot of us have circulation problems as a result. And so I'm always like, doing inversions like laying in bed with like my legs up the wall and then I do a lot of like self-massage to get you know lymph and everything moving and try to up my circulation um I also just recently got one of those jade rollers and like gua sha tools which is for doing like your face to move the lymph and and stuff in your face and that's been really interesting um so I've really liked that another one of my big self-care things is just doing nourishing herbal infusions and so I'll set that up like the night before when right as I'm getting ready to go to bed. And that way, when I get up in the morning, it's good to go. And so you can just do like a quart size mason jar or a French press. And you want to put usually maybe about an ounce of dried herb in there. And you can do just like a single herb or you can do combinations. Um, pretty much everything I do starts with a base of nettles just because it's super mineral rich and, and nourishing. I, I love it. It's one of my favorite plants to work with. And then adding things on in combination for that. So like this week I did one that was, I think, nettles, ginger, hibiscus, something else that I can't remember. Cinnamon, that was the other one. And so, yeah, I'll just set that up, you know, pour boiling hot water over it, cover it, leave it overnight until the morning. And then, you know, in winter, you can like reheat that if you want it. Or, you know, for now, this time of year, put it over ice and take it out, you know, to the garden with me while I work. And that's just like... It's so easy, but it's just such a great self-care practice because I know I'm getting some really good minerals and and it also tastes great. Nice. That sounds yeah. awesome. I love yeah. that. My next question is, so is there anything that I should have asked but didn't or do you have any last words before we wrap this up? Um, I think you covered a, a ton. I feel like we kind of poked around at lots of different different areas there. Um. I think for last words, I just think, you know, whether you're homesteading or not, I think taking a look at where your food comes from and how it's sourced, just because, you know, that's how we nourish ourselves so many times a day. Um, I would just really encourage you, um, get some life, (laughs) get some life into your life. 
Um, yes. even, yeah, even if that's just, you know, a couple <laughs> house plants or a few herbs on your windowsill, you know, I know a lot of us are, you know, probably living in cities, go out to the parks. Like, um, you can have a sit spot out at the parks or even from your front steps, if, you know, make, make friends with a tree near you and just go get out into nature, see if you can maybe have one thing in your house you're growing for food and, you know, you can literally buy green onions at the store and put them back in water, put the roots back in water yep. and they'll regrow. Even if it's something like that, you know, and trust me, they're going to taste so good <laughs> when you're, when you're eating those again, you're going to be like, I grew this. So yeah, but they're so easy. It's funny you said that because when right <laughs> as you were getting into that, I thought the same thing, green onions, because I we've had them since we moved up here. And so I have them like in my windowsill still. It's mm. so handy. <laughs> right? I mean, and they go great on everything. So Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. It's like one of those things where it's like, whereas before it's like, you know, I'd be annoyed like if I didn't have any on hand and now I just always have them. So I, I almost forget about them sometimes. Yeah. No, it's they're great. so great. All right. And my very last question, where can people find you? Okay. Well, so my podcast is called Tending Seeds, and you should be able to find that anywhere that you're listening to podcasts. And then I'm also on Instagram. Uh, My name on there is Fox and Elder, all one word. And I'm sure Whitney will put that in the show notes and stuff for y'all. Of course. but yeah, those are the two best ways to get in touch with me. I'm still, you know, building out a website and stuff right now, that whole thing of too many things happening at once. So there will be a website someday. Um, but yeah, the the podcast or through Instagram are probably the two places that I'm most active. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. This was so much fun. Well, it totally was. Thank you, Whitney. It was so good to talk to you. Yes. All right. So as always, you guys can catch me at least here next time on the Space Witch podcast and you can find Sarah over at Tending Seeds and I will talk to you guys next week. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode with Sarah. If you enjoyed this podcast, I ask that you leave me a review on iTunes or share this episode with at least one friend this week. Just one friend or you can make one Facebook post or whatever and just tag me in it and I will give you guys a shout out on Instagram or Facebook this week or in my next podcast episode. It really means a lot to me when you guys leave reviews on iTunes. It also helps other people to find the Space Witch podcast. So like I said, if you like this podcast, if you want more people to know about it, please, please, please make sure you leave me an iTunes review, whether it's good or bad, preferably good, but either one is fine. So yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. I love doing these podcasts and spending this time with you every week. So with all that being said, I will catch you here next week on the Space Witch podcast. Have a magical week and don't forget that you are so much more than your sun sign.